At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. Because that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. From fresh berries to fresh tomatoes, we know the farm is where it all grows. From their farms to your forks, working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. 
All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and uh, we're still coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send an email, Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to um, find out about the broadcast schedule that we have for the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, Exxon Nation, is Jennifer Stein, a native Philadelphia who holds a bachelor degree in science from the University of Arizona. She grew up in a family of artists and entrepreneurs and follows in these footsteps. She has also held many leadership roles in state and regional organizations within the Jewish community, within MUFON, and other organizations. She has founded operated several businesses successfully in the last 30 years. Jennifer found and runs Mainline MUFON in Philadelphia and is a conference coordinator for numerous conferences in the Philadelphia area and elsewhere. Uh, so why don't we just ask our guest this hour to tell us more about her time. Joining me now is Jennifer Stein. And Jennifer, welcome back to the X-Zone. Thank you so much, Rob. It's such a pleasure to be back on the air with you. I look forward to coming to Canada again soon. I'll, I'll be up there uh, at the Stratford Festival in June. Oh, so. that's a just around the corner from you. That's right. It's about uh, two and a half hours from here. It's right. a beautiful place. Right. So tell us more so, about... Uh, wh- tell us yeah, more. One, one of the big things that I've been crazy with in the last uh, few months is mm-hmm. I am the uh, chairman and coordinator for the MUFON National Symposium, which is going to be held here in Philadelphia. Um, it's back, basically Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's the next city over, Philadelphia mm-hmm. and and Cherry Hill or Camden, New Jersey, or kind of like, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, <laughs> divided by a river, although Philadelphia is much larger. But we're doing a, a wonderful national symposium on the northeast coast again for MUFON. And um, since I'm a state section director for MUFON, I'm busy involved in coordinating that, and it should be really fabulous. We're, we're having Luis Elizonzo as our keynote speaker. Do you know who Luis is? No, I'm sorry, I don't. Okay, well, um, December 16th, there was a major uh, groundbreaking newspaper article on the cover of the New York Times. It also went on to the cover of the Post, the L.A. Times, and Chicago Tribune, a number of major newspapers, as well as some papers in uh, Europe as well. And this was a very serious approach to uh, basically uh, disclosure that the Pentagon had a program researching UFOs, and it had spent $22 million doing this from 2007 to 2011. What was the was Pentagon's What was the Pentagon's comment on this uh, alleged program? Well, the, 
the Pentagon gave Luis Elizondo permission to come out and discuss a program that he was responsible for running. Uh, it was known as the uh, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned, Harry Reid set it up in 2007. But one of the main things they studied was, you know, UFOs, motherships, unidentified craft, as well uh -huh. as asteroid risks and other things like that, and even rogue satellites and things that uh, are a problem for safety for us on, on the surface. And um, when the program ended, Luis Elizondo was still getting reports. I mean, people would just basically walk him over and put him on his desk. Sure. So from 2012 to 2017, he got so many UFO reports. He just got really frustrated, threw his hands up mm -hmm. and said, all right, <laughs> I'm out of here. The government's not taking this seriously. They're not funding this project. They're giving me the work anyway. And I want to I go public with this. And the Pentagon gave him permission to do that. Not only did they give him permission to do that, but they gave him like a screwdriver to leave with. They gave him some classified footage mm -hmm. and some classified audio recordings of some jet pilots that were watching, and I think they took off from the Nimitz, and they were following a craft in the Pacific uh, near the Los Angeles area. Um, they have footage of it from their... Um, it's probably not F-16s. I don't remember the name of the um, craft that these uh, you know, military pilots were flying in, but it was very highly advanced uh, photo optics that was revealed showing this craft. Yeah, I, I, remember seeing that, I, I remember seeing that footage, yeah. but I also remember there being a controversy as to the legitimacy of the footage. Oh, no, 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 no. It was absolutely How do you legit. know that? How do you know that? No, How do you know that? Um, well, because the the Pentagon verified it, there were people who, uh, mm -hmm. I believe, there were people who were uh, asked if this was all real, uh, because you know the New York Times does their homework. Well, I don't <laughs> know about post something. I don't know about that. I've been watching the headlines from the New York Post, and their credibility as far as an integrity journalistic member of the media certainly seems to be in question these days. Well, there might be one person, mm -hmm. I think, from the uh, Washington Post, which is leaving, and that's a different story. And um, there was some question about one, one writer's credibility. But when, a, when the credibility of a writer is challenged, mm -hmm. they get X'd out of the paper, uh, which is what's happening at the Post. But this was the New York Times that I'm discussing, and then it went mm -hmm. into other uh, media as well. But the uh, New York Times was the one to break this article. But how come and we have... there ha was verification from the pilots who were responsible for the footage. All they right. were also interviewed. All right, but how come so. we haven't heard anything more about this if it is so groundbreaking? Well, um, I think we are going to continue to hear more about it. There have been some other little stories, dribs and drabs, that have come mm -hmm. out. But Luis Elizondo is our keynote speaker. So if you want okay. to hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, come to come to Philadelphia in July, meet Luis Elizondo, sign up as a participant at our conference, and uh, you're going to hear more. Um, there was a, a Luis joined a group called To the Stars Academy, uh, mm -hmm. organized by a gentleman by the name of Tom DeLong out of California. Yeah, and a, a number of other top people decided to join him who were in, you know, other government positions, like Jim Semivan, he was in the CIA, uh, Hal Putoff worked for a long time uh, as a CEO of a company called Earth Technologies Incorporated, but he also uh, worked at um, 
you know, uh, I think it was called CRI, or it was a uh, intelligence research organization out of Stanford for years and years and years with Ingo Swan. Um, Steve Justice is part of this program, and Chris Mellon. He was uh, a former Dep- Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense uh, uh, for Intelligence under the Clinton and Bush administration. Sure, let me uh, let me ask you that. Let me ask you this: they're high-level people. Yes and no, okay? Because if this footage and if this these comments are real, why aren't mainstream people jumping on? For example, the Secretary of, of Homeland Security, the Secretary of Defense. You're hearing nothing out of the mainframe in, in Washington. Yes, well, I, I suspect it's probably business as usual. Number one, what mm-hmm. can they do about it? Um, you know, uh, we, this is not new news. And people within organizations mm-hmm. like MUFON, a lot of ex-military people have been saying this for years. You know, this stuff is going on, yeah. and we're not really getting the full story. And what's the government going to do? They're going to report that, yes, these things are real. They fly in and out of our airspace. Mm-hmm. They even mess with our nuclear weaponry. And we can't do anything about it. And they come and go at their own pace, and they, they completely outpace our jets and our technology. I don't think governments really want to come clean. Isn't it also that. isn't it also fair to say that it, they may outpace the technology that we're aware of? Of course. So yes. how do we know beyond a shadow? How do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this information is about extraterrestrial craft from another planet, another time, another dimension, instead of something that is still so super secret that? You know, other members of the military are not up to speed. At liberty to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> bingo, bingo. Right on, okay. Rob. We don't know that. But do we need and to know fact, it? Do we need to know it? Yes. Why? Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. But um, you're you're absolutely right. Maybe there's a need to keep things quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very famous story that uh, Jan Harzine, our the but there's a lot so, of cr- uh, but there's a lot of misinformation yeah. out there, and certain members of the UFO community themselves are dispelling a lot of misinformation and disinformation to make the yeah. the UFO community more than it really is. Well, there's always controversy over this topic because mm-hmm. if you want to debunk something, oh, it's the whole you know divide and conquer tactic. If you can't attack the data, then mm-hmm. attack the personalities of the people and get them fighting with one another. But you see, and the, you undermine the credibility, you know. But there you've got it, the data. The data that is available, it's secondhand information. Well, not in the case of Bill Tompkins. It's firsthand information right from his, uh, you know, experiences and memoirs. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, listen, there's a lot of people so, who write books and memories and memoirs who... You know, who who just kind of fantasize about what their life should have been like compared to what it really was like. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Bill, uh, Bill, but I'm just saying this, that a lot of other people have turned what is supposed to be a biographical into a work of fantasy. Well, you're absolutely right, Rob. It is a complex 
topic. Mm-hmm. And it gets, um, it's very hard to weed through, even now today, you know, the Internet provides so much information that to a novice or, or someone who's just starting out in the field in terms of reading or going to conferences or trying to meet particular experiencers, mm-hmm. it's very, very hard. I have to say I've been very, very lucky. I have been mentored by people like Stanton Friedman and Kathy Martin, who have been, you know, in this field for 40, 50 years, practically. And I've been guided in, uh, certainly in the research I did on the Travis Walton Project, I was guided very closely by Stanton. And it really helped me to weed through and learn to uh, fact check and follow up and, you know, verify and and then use my own inner sense of, okay, this is uh, really perplexing. And I'm going to have to put it in my gray box until I get more verification. And, you know, uh, researchers do that all the time. You can look at data, but it doesn't necessarily prove anything. That's right. But it's interesting data, and at some point a body of data leads you to uh, certain suspicions which help you to build maybe a uh, theory, and then you can go out and retest or relook at this. But Jennifer, you know, we've got to take our news break. Please stand by. Explanation. Jennifer Stein is our special guest. www.traviswaltonthemovie.com. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. AVS Media Day. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Jennifer Stein is our guest. And uh, Jennifer, we understand that Paramount Pictures uh, made successfully a sci-fi depiction of the Travis Walton story called Fire in the Sky. That's going back to 93, like I said. Why do you think it's so important to tell the same story all over again? Well, what the Paramount picture was, was a fictionalized version of Mm -hmm. Travis's story. And Hollywood never really tells it like it is. And what I did, what I undertook, was a documentary. So a documentary is, of course, a very different type of film. It's a fact-based, you know, interview, talking head, and historical account Mm -hmm. of the actual events that took place. The 40th anniversary of Travis's story uh, happened in 2015. And I undertook the process of making a documentary specifically to mark that 40th anniversary and to show the documentary at a conference that we had in the Snowflake Heber area of Arizona where this whole event took place. And it was sort of a way to help vindicate the the living crew members. Some are no longer living. Some have passed away. But a number of the people in the town who were involved in the story, like some of the police, the polygrapher, I interviewed as many people as I could, um, as well as all of the living crew members. And it really turned into a quite a touching piece. I'm, I was astonished to see that it was accepted into mainstream film festivals, which UFOs you know, documentaries usually do not. <laughs> They're, you know, still considered um, sort of like a fringe topic mm-hmm. or a taboo topic. And we have won over 28 uh, film festival uh, recognitions or awards. Either it was accepted to screen or it also won additional awards. Let me ask you and this. That's really quite an honor. Let me ask you, does it take away from the from this new picture that is released after it was done by a major Hollywood studio. It didn't do that great, but it did okay. And the remake of a documentary so many years later, does that kind of put the the uh, the reasoning for the documentary in question since it was based on 
according to your words, the the original film going back to 1993, a fictional account. Well, the Hollywood picture was a fictional account. Fire in the Sky um, sort of based it off of Travis's book, but Tracy Torme was the producer on that, mm-hmm. and he really wanted to do as close an account of what happened, but his main producer stepped in at Paramount and said, no, 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 we got to fictionalize the onboard the craft stuff, and we got to cut some of the crew members down because mm-hmm. we can't afford that many actors, so we got to merge some of these people together, and then we're going to start a drama, drama, trauma, drama between these characters that wasn't really there, and so we're going to, you know, change this part of the story and this part of the story. So it really was a fictional film. There was never a documentary done. But what, but what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is, is how is the yeah. viewer supposed to accept this as being the truth after all these years, you know, going from 93 to here we are in the year 20, uh, 2018, all these mm-hmm. years later, the documentary comes out. If the documentary came out five, six, seven years afterwards, I could see, you know, people looking at it saying, well, wow, you know, this, this, is, this is more of what happened. But so many years later, and then with all the hype ufology has been trying to get over the years and the problems that MUFON has itself, how, do, how are people supposed to say that this is what, how it really happened? Well, it's all based on people who experienced it. Mm-hmm. I interviewed all the living crew members. They never changed their story. Their written story and their verbal story has stayed the same. Okay. The polygrapher who did the polygraphs on them, he never changed his story. Um, so I think you could pretty much say with the 30 or 40 people that investigated the story, were involved in it, were hunting for Travis... I would say when all their stories align, it's pretty compelling that this is the true account of his story. No one has ever come up to me and questioned the authenticity of the data that mm-hmm. I've put in the film. You're the first person to ask that question. Well, I think many of my listeners want to know these, these answers. You know, because well, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good question. You know, I'll tell you that th- one of the things I, I did mm-hmm. to, uh, to get... Uh, background data and to fact check on right. is I went to the American Philosophical Society and there the, the, the debunker that chased this story for probably 30 years his mm-hmm. name was Philip Class he's now passed away right. but the correspondence for Philip Class and Mike Rogers the crew boss is all there okay. so I spent four days reading 20 years of correspondence between these two and it confirmed all the facts that I have in the story. Who, who are the experts that you called in that were not associated with the case 40 years ago to reinvestigate the case? No, I didn't. Well, the only new person was probably uh, Ben Hansen, mm-hmm. who wasn't born at the time, and he was on the show uh, Fact or Fiction, I think, and he's an FBI investigator. So right. I l- asked him to relook at the data with me, and we actually went back up into the forest wow. and did a detailed, uh, you know, look at the ground and things mm-hmm. like that to look for anything suspicious or something that wouldn't fall into place okay. that we could possibly still find today. And we actually discovered some things which were quite interesting. But um, I actually spoke with Stanton Friedman. He was one of the lead investigators uh, within a year of this event. I think within three months of this story, he had been out there. Mm-hmm. He also worked on a documentary film that was done by another producer in Hollywood. It well, was Sta- never released. Yeah, well, Stanton will do anything released. to get out there. You know, that's, yeah. he'll do anything. But listen, let me ask you. Yeah. Was Travis Walton given another polygraph test on the documentary with a totally different 
unbiased polygraph examiner? Uh, we didn't need to. That Why not? wasn't part of our approach in the film. But he has taken, I think, upwards of six with mm -hmm. six different independent unbiased polygraph examiners. But wouldn't that have given I these... I mean, even, even I... the Arizona State guy who did it yeah. first uh, was you know, completely unbiased. He was on the side of assuming there was a murder mm -hmm. and that Travis was dead and these other boys had murdered him. So Travis did two or three polygraph exams, exams with him. When was the last uh, time? After. When was the last time Travis has taken a polygraph test? Hmm, that's a good question. I have to go back into my notes okay. to see. I think it was probably upwards of about ten years ago. So, what, besides the fact that it was the fortieth anniversary in twenty fifteen, why else did you want to get this story redone? Well, as a filmmaker, it was an amazing. Story. And I was just surprised that nobody had ever done it yet. Um, and I felt by doing a good job of this, I could begin to share some insights mm -hmm. into the fact that it's not necessarily easy when you see something or experience something that doesn't make sense. And I wanted to show the human side of the UFO phenomenon and how difficult it is to come to terms with an experience like Travis had. And I think that's why the film has done so well in mainstream film festivals, because it's not really a UFO uh, film. It's really a, a personal interest story and a, a, a human journey story that all these boys, uh, their lives were ripped apart, torn apart, their relationships mm -hmm. were you know, uh, ruined in many cases. And it was the last day they ever worked on that job. That crew never went back out and worked again together. Um, some of those, uh, you know, one guy even changed his name and tried to go into hiding because he was bribed. Phil Class uh, chased him for five years and tried to give him $10,000 to claim this event never happened. And he had a police officer deliver the bribe with the Western Union. <laughs> it, it's so well documented that you know they were trying to kill this story. I read correspondence back and forth between mm -hmm. Donald Menzel and other people that said, you got to kill this story in any way, shape, or form you can. Why do you so, think they wanted the story killed? Good question. I don't know. Good question. Maybe but wouldn't that have, facts were but wouldn't that been a great part of a documentary showing that, you know, these forces wanted to have this story killed and these are the people who wanted the story killed and this is why they wanted it killed? Well, I couldn't get anybody to tell me why they wanted the story mm -hmm. killed because the people who were involved were all dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is Phil. I did my best, Rob. You'll have to see the film. You probably never got a chance to see it. But you see, Philip Class is dead, and yet you took the time to read all the correspondence that he wrote. So I'm just wondering why certain parts or certain elements of the story received so much attention and other parts didn't. Well, I guess you haven't seen the film yet. I, it, it's very well balanced, and I based it on Travis Walton's book mm -hmm. because I thought if he's the main character and if the, the name of the film is Travis, the true story of Travis Walton, what I want to do is follow his story and then bring in all the other boys' stories as well and then the people that tried to debunk him because when you read Travis's book, he spends one-third of his 600-page book discussing 
the debunking that went on and even the local media who had a hard time believing and fully accepting right. uh, what Travis experienced. So it's a natural thing. You know, when people don't understand things, the natural thing is to mock it. Um, it makes it easier. Uh, so I imagine that that's uh, what went on, and I think that's part of the human condition that we have. So uh, if you ever get a chance to see it, you'll probably understand it. I, I have gotten rave reviews about mm-hmm. the way I've approached this uh, project. and So I'm, you know, just kind of like say, thank goodness I, I uh, did due diligence. All right, stand by. We've got to take our break, final break for this hour. Exo Nation, Jennifer Stein is our guest. Www. All right, do you have your pencils and paper ready? All right, there you go. www.travisvaultonthemovie.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't freak, don't go away. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howell expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. 
Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Jennifer, was there any resistance from the law enforcement community to work with you? None at all. No, they were actually quite happy to. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the gentlemen I worked with actually has since passed away. I, I worked with two law enforcement people, uh, Deputy Ellison and um, another man named uh, Gillespie, Sheriff Gillespie. So Sheriff Gillespie has passed away, but he gave us a wonderful interview. It was about two hours. We sat with him in his backyard, mm-hmm. and Travis actually asked him the questions. They've they've had a long friendship over many years. You know, Travis stayed in Snowflake. He never moved away. Well, a lot of the other boys moved away, but he he stayed and stayed friends with a lot of the people that uh, he had to deal with at the time. How has uh, Travis's experience changed his life, if any? Oh, it's huge how it changed his life. There were many, many doors that were closed to him, mm-hmm. possibly, you know, academic scholarships and job opportunities and even relationships with uh, with other people, uh, possibly even women. And he ended up marrying the girl he was dating at the time, who was the sister of the crew boss, Mike Rogers. So he married Dana and had four children with her and stayed in Snowflake. And now those children are all grown, and I think Travis may have something like 11 grandchildren now. But his whole life has been wrapped around coming to terms with this and people continuing to want to interview him and want to talk to him and want to tell him that he just didn't understand what happened to him. And that really he and the other crew members all solved the planet Venus and made this all up in their head. And, you know, he personally knows that that's, uh, you know, not in fact true. How does he know that's um, and, not and true? Pardon? How does he know that that's not true? Well, he was missing for five days. Okay. And he woke up with a memory, uh, which could be anywhere from 20 minutes to two hours. He's mm-hmm. not exactly sure, where he encountered different beings, two different types of species of beings, one that looks like grays, possibly, which we often are de- described and depicted as four feet tall, large head, no hair, large eyes, very small mouth, small nose, almost no ears. Um, there were grays when he woke up looking at him. Hmm. And then he also encountered a being that could pass for you and I, maybe was even human. He thought he was being rescued by a human, but this person also never spoke to him. He encountered four people that looked like this being, blonde hair, blue eyes, about six and a half feet tall, very muscular, in blue jumpsuits, 
like a Star Trek type jumpsuit, fairly snug. And they all looked like they were related, all had perfect skin, blue eyes, and were very strong. And they seemed to rescue him from the grays. It's a bit of a story. People have to kind of see the film or read the book. From I'm not going to go through it all now. We don't have the time to do that. But when he was then returned by this craft, the same craft he saw in the forest, he woke up and saw the craft take off. He thought it was the same night that this whole event had happened where they encountered the craft in the forest. It actually was five days later. He didn't know that. Um, There's lots of ways he can verify what happened. We've also discovered there was rapid tree growth from the radiation given off by this craft in the vicinity where this craft was. And you can see that that rapid tree growth still is evident in the trees and has not rotted, whereas growth beyond that uh, that happened before that or after that has rotted. But all of that growth is very unique and epicentric, pointing towards where the craft was originally when this beam hit Travis. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to find verification of rapid tree growth from radiation in Chernobyl and Scott pine trees, which is almost identical to the trees that were in the Sid Graves National Forest. All right, let me ask you this question. Let let me ask you this. Why do we assume that if these visitors are real and they can go from one end of the universe to the next, that they are using nuclear power? If they're that advanced, would they have not realized that nuclear power is dangerous? Would they not realize this? It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. I don't think I understand your question. Well, it's very simple. What? Why what are you, why makes are you, you think they're using nuclear power? Why, well, why are you making that assumption? Where do you get radiation from? Good question. You Which said, doesn't necessarily mean they're using nuclear power. Do we know of any other way that something can be propelled except by nuclear reaction? For example, the, the Enterprise, the aircraft carrier, is, an, is nuclear ship. So taking the technology of today... How can we say just because there was radioactive uh, readings that it had to come from a UFO? Uh, That makes no sense. I'm not saying there were radioactive readings, Rob. What did you say? You said radioactive, radiation. No, I did not. What did you say? No, no, no. What did you say? I said what we discovered Mm -hmm. in the forest is that there was rapid tree growth. And we suspect, we don't know for sure, but we suspect that there was some form of radiation that caused that rapid tree growth. Because looking at Chernobyl, where we know there was radiation, Mm -hmm. those Scott Pine trees grew at a 33% rapid growth. and And they grew that after the Chernobyl accident. Okay, and those trees are identical to the trees that are in the Sitgraves National Forest. They're Ponderosa pine trees in Arizona and they're Scott pine trees in in um, Russia. Right. So I think you may be uh, you know, made a connection there in your own mind. No, wait a second, that, wait a second. Oh, that must mean the craft was using some kind of radiation. Well, let me ask you, why would you, why, why would you travel, say, why, why would you it, say that it, there's a correlation between the radiation and the growth of trees in Chernobyl and the same effect has been found in the place where the alleged abduction took place? Well, because it's there. 
All right, there is rapid tree growth, and it's unique in each tree in a circle around mm-hmm. where that craft was. So you can walk around that area because most of these trees are now cut because there was a large fire there oh. called the Rodeo Chetasai Fire, mm-hmm. I think about 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And most of the trees that were standing at the time of Travis's event died and were cut. Oh. Now you can walk around and see the stumps, and you mm-hmm. can look at the stump and see rapid tree growth, but only in one area, pulling very strongly in a directional point to where the craft was. And this is what Ben Hansen and I discovered with Travis in 2014. All right, but there was no trace evidence of radioactivity. No, certainly not now. There was someone that showed up with a Geiger counter Mm -hmm. and went around in the area at the time that Travis was missing. This person never fully identified themselves as to who they were or from what agency they were. But they did go up to the crew boss and talk to him. And the crew boss, Mike Rogers, said, well, if you're looking for radiation, what you ought to do is go up to our truck and go up to our helmets. So they went up to the truck, and on the surface of the roof of the truck and on the, on the hood of the truck and on their helmets, they, the Geiger counter went off, you know, to, to have very, very high levels of exposure of uh, some sort of radioactive material. And then he basically turned off his machine, jumped in his truck, and drove away before anybody really knew who he was. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yes, it is. It truly is. Now, I, you know, any speculation about what type of propulsion systems mm-hmm. these amazing crafts use is total speculation, and I don't even go there. Yeah. You know. I, just, I just found it very strange that the, there was a correlation made between the radioactive uh, or the radiation that caused the spurt growth of the trees in uh, Chernobyl, Chernobyl to what happened in yep. the area where the alleged abduction took place. All right, Jennifer, well, I want to think. It's th- the same amount of growth. It's the same amount of growth, 33%. It's very precise. All right, Jennifer, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And Exo Nation, if you'd, like to, um, if you'd like to see the movie, I don't know. This is another story that is a lot like the Billy Meyer story. A lot of holes in it. The fact that it's been waited for so long to do a documentary raises questions. The fact that a lot of the key players have passed on raises a lot of questions. The fact that there was radiation similarities between Chernobyl and the area where Travis Walton allegedly was abducted raises flags. The fact that Philip Klass was involved doesn't give anything any credibility in my books. Stanton Friedman, once again... What does he know? He's never seen a UFO. He goes by what the people tell him. There is no evidence to substantiate any claim that there in fact was a UFO abduction. If anything, that is one of the major selling points, the lack of evidence. Why did Travis Walton stay around? Why did the other members split? I don't know. But if I don't like something, I'm certainly not going to keep on telling the story over and over and over and over again. I'm not going to be the center of public attraction and attention unless I really like it. Food for Thought, Exonation. I'll be back on the other side of this break. 
as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, do not, I mean, do not go away and check out what we have available for you. 724-365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. 